You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is great to see you guys and to have you guys here at FC. If you've got your Bibles, we're looking at the Song of Solomon. So you can go ahead and look there at chapter two in just a minute. We're in a series that we've called Nomance. And so we've been looking at, starting last week, how we can bring the romance back into our marriages. This is a series on love, dating, and sex. And uh, we've been looking at last week, like how can we really bring that romance back into our relationship. And so I started by saying, well, one of the things we have to do is by uh, praising our spouse. In other words, we've got to compliment our spouse. We've got to encourage and affirm her, affirm him in our life. I talked about how we have to do the unexpected in our marriages because the, the enemy of you know our marriages is just to kind of do the same old, same old every single week. And we do that same old, same old, and it becomes a rut. And, and uh, we've got to do the unexpected to keep that flair in our marriage. And then I also said that we've got to take the initiative. And so we've got to do things on purpose, do things with intentionality in our marriage to really grow the environment, to create that environment in our marriages that will in fact allow romance and love to flourish. And so today I want to talk though about dating. Um, and let me start by asking you this question, who taught you how to date? Who in your life taught you how to date? Who taught you, you know, what sex was? Think about that for a moment. I, I polled uh, several friends and several people uh, over the last couple of weeks, and, and I found uh, out a lot of information. It wasn't like surprising, uh, but one of the things I continue to hear back from people is, is no one taught me how to date. You know, over and over again, nobody did. Nobody talked to me about sex dating or anything like that. Um, a lot of people came back to me and said that, well, well, actually just a couple of people came back and said, well, my parents actually talked to me about sex and dating, but it was like that really awkward, weird conversation. And it was only one conversation. We never talked about it again, kind of that. It didn't really give me much guidance. A couple of people said, well, my church talked about it. And so that was helpful. And, and uh, a lot of people came back and said, I learned about dating from watching Dawson's Creek. And so... Uh, some of you are probably in that boat. Well, sadly, uh, we don't do that great of a job as parents, and uh, the church doesn't do a super awesome job, but we need to, we need to change that. Uh, we don't need to just have a conversation about dating relationships with our kids. We need to have an ongoing relationship with them about the meaning and purpose of sex and about the meaning of marriage in our lives. So we have to break through whatever awkwardness that we feel like is there and that exists. And as men especially, we've got to take the initiative in that role. And ladies, with your daughters, you've got to take that role. And together as mom and dad, surrounded also by loving adult leaders, in the student ministry here at FC, uh, we can do much better than the previous generation. But uh, I think we have to start by asking ourselves, what is the purpose of dating anyway? And I think even a more important question is, as a follower of Jesus, how should we view the purpose of dating? And so culture says the purpose of dating is to, you know, have a bunch of relationships, uh, have, you know, several sexual encounters, and then you'll kind of learn what you like and what you don't like. Well, that's completely unbiblical. I think the important, you know, vein to get in and, and, and the road to, to put yourself on is to begin to say, you know what, I want to seek to honor God with my life as a follower of Jesus. I, I hope that's your goal. And 
So if I'm going to seek to follow and honor Jesus with my life, then, then what, in fact, does dating really look like? Or what should it look like? And so as mom and dad, and if you're single today, I hope that I'm going to begin to shed some light and to help you think through this and, 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 and help you begin to evaluate where your heart is and, and what, in fact, your goal is as you pursue relationships in your life. And, and so if you've got your Bibles, let's start in chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read several verses in chapter two, but we're gonna start in verse 11. And so uh, let's look at it together. Uh, It says, for behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Well, what he's saying here, a lot of symbolism here. What he's basically saying here is love is in the air. Solomon and Shulamite are in fact in love and they are in a dating courtship relationship, pursuing marriage together and the birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming, all that junk is happening, right? I mean, they're looking in the sky and and, and he's seeing images of her in the clouds. This is a very surreal, beautiful time in their life. Well, I think some of you, if you're in a marriage relationship, you might say, you know what? Uh, the season that we're in is a hot, dry summer. <laughs> it is hot, but it is dry. Some of you would say, we're in kind of the season of fall. Things are beginning to slowly die and we can see the leaves changing, right? Some of you would say, you know, our, our relationship, you know, is winter. It is frozen and dead, right? And so uh, we, we all kind of find ourselves in a different season. But I want to talk about three different seasons that I think each of us are going to find ourselves in on some level today. And uh, we'll, we'll think through it and, and we're going to come back and see the season that they're in to really shed some light on what dating really should look like as a follower of Christ. And, and I would start by saying first and foremost that some of you are in the season of preparation. The season of preparation is when God is growing your heart. He's developing a foundation emotionally and spiritually so that you are in fact preparing for a dating relationship. In this season, you are not yet ready. So if you are in middle school, high school, maybe even early in college, I would say that you are in this phase. You're in this season where God is really developing your character. You're figuring out who you are. I mean, let's just just be honest. You know, physiologically, your brain hasn't even fully developed yet. You don't know what you like. You don't know really who you are. You don't really know what you believe. And so God is is growing that and developing that in you. And and he's got godly leaders in your life in this church that are pouring into you to help you come to that preparation. Now, the season of preparation is not dependent upon your age either. I mean, you might be in your mid-20s or your 30s or 40s or 50s, and and you're in the season of preparation because God is preparing you. And in this season, he might even be healing you because you just got through a bad relationship or you just went through a situation where your heart is really healing, where your heart is really growing. And and so right now is not the best time for you to be in another relationship because God is is really growing your heart and, and, and he's really healing your heart. So you're in a season of preparation. Now, when you're in the season of preparation, the focus isn't about finding someone and and it shouldn't be about finding that special someone at this point. 
In fact, I would encourage you to stop focusing so much on finding a special someone and start becoming a special someone. I mean, think about it. If you're not becoming the man that God is calling you to be as a high school student or college student, if you're not allowing God to prepare your heart as a young woman in college, preparing you to be this woman that will find this godly man one day, then perhaps you won't recognize that that special someone is in fact in front of you because you are not who God wanted you to be in order to line the two of you up together. You've got to embrace the season of preparation in your life. And I think one of the things that helps us, there's two things I want to give you that help you develop and prepare your heart for relationships. So no matter what season, no matter how old, if you're single today, the first thing I would say is you've got to begin to understand your identity in Christ. Who are you in Jesus? You know, the greatest relationship you're ever going to develop is with Jesus. It's not with someone else. And so as you're single, embrace that singleness and begin to understand who you are in Christ. Your, your identity is not in how you look. It's not in the reaction that you get from men when you walk into the room. That's not who you are. It's not in your grades. It's not in your athleticism. You've got to learn who God wants you to be. So your goal should be, God, develop me into that special someone. God, God, I'm pursuing you. God, I'm focused on you in this season. Now, you're not defined by your relationships either. Remember that being single is not a curse. The Bible teaches us very clearly. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, how being single is in fact the best way. Paul comes out and says it. Hey, if you can be single, go for it. It's much better. You focus more on God. You get more things done. If you get married, he says, get ready because it's going to be challenging and difficult and you're going to be concerned about the desires of your spouse instead of the desires that Jesus has and desires for you. But he says, if in fact you burn with passion, I encourage you to go ahead and get married so you don't sexually sin. And so that's really the biblical like framework for singleness. And so if you are single today, embrace that. Don't buy into the lie that something is missing in your life if you're not in a relationship. I mean, how often do we like, accept what Satan wants us to believe here that, that the only truly happy people in the world are people who are married or who are in a dating relationship, that romance is necessary for a good life, that happiness can only be found if I've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, I'm pursuing marriage, that just simply is not true. This influence in our world leads a lot of people to date too early. And they're too, too young, too immature. And as a result, they make a lot of stupid mistakes. A lot of sexual sin takes place and all that baggage comes with you into future marriages. It's so key that you develop and understand your identity in Christ in this season and then secondly, it's important for you to develop a biblical view of marriage because marriage is not just gonna make you happy. <laughs> In fact, marriage can be one of the most painful things you ever experience. And so it's not to be taken lightly. It's not to just be rushed into. It's a, it's a big commitment. And so my encouragement for you would be to understand what in fact the Lord purposes for it in our life. If all you are seeing in as far as marriage is like all the bad stuff, so you're watching TV and you see all the bad relationships and all the drama and all the chaos and all the affairs, 
Maybe your parents didn't give you a good view of what biblical marriage really should look like in your life. And so you've only seen all this bad stuff. Let me just encourage you for a moment though, if in fact you are pursuing marriage, marriage is beautiful. Marriage is incredible. It is challenging on many, many levels. But if we are seeking Jesus together, God blesses it and it is an amazing relationship. And so don't buy into the lie that it's evil and don't buy into the lie that you have to have it in order to be happy. Begin to develop a biblical view of marriage. This is why at FC, we encourage small groups to be, you know, mixed in, in generationally. And if you're married single, like we don't have single groups and we don't want just like, you know, women's groups or men's groups. Now we, we have them and that's, those are great, but, but I love diversity because I want that 50 year old couple who has, who've made several mistakes, but they've grown from it to be in the same small group as a 20 something year old couple that just got married so that they can share that wisdom and they can learn from them. I want that single person to be in a small group with a married couple so that they understand the the struggles that they both manage and and that they have to go through to to help them be more well-rounded and and to be able to help one another spiritually. I mean, we need this diversity. We don't want to just get old and have a bunch of, you know, older people in groups, you know, reminiscing on all the good old days. Meanwhile, all the younger kids are are in small groups talking about, you know, how irrelevant older people are. No, we need to, we need diversity. And this is what I think would help and does help in our relationships and it helps us grow. So we are seeking together a biblical view of marriage not only as a single, but also as a church as we surround ourselves in biblical community. The goal should be to marry the right person and to marry at the right time. The goal is not just to find somebody and get married. The goal is to find the right kind of person and to marry at the right time. In verse seven of chapter two, we read it last week. She says, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Now, you know, our bodies awaken in love sometime in middle school, right? At some point as a middle school dude, you're walking down the road and all of a sudden the gross, ugly neighbor girl is all of a sudden interesting, right? When I was doing, in, when I was in student ministry, at some point in an eighth grader's life, he starts wearing cologne and tucking in his shirt and he's not just wearing, you know, t-shirts all the time anymore. They're, they're awakening naturally that, oh, okay, this is not a bad deal after all, right? Well, That happens naturally and that's going to begin, but at the same time, we don't wanna rush that. As God is preparing us for a relationship, we don't wanna force relationships. And as a parent, I don't want to be guilty of awakening love in my own kids. Now, if you're single, you can awaken love by you know, viewing pornography or watching hours and hours of Netflix and, and just zoning off on these TV shows that talk nothing, uh, about nothing else other than relationships and you know, sex outside of marriage and glorify all that. And if you're doing that, if you're listening to music like that, you're inflaming and awakening love and desire outside of, of uh, in your own heart. Um, if you're a parent though, you wanna be very careful about awakening that love in your own heart kids. Now think about it. I don't know this, you know, take this or leave this, but as an example, you know, you hear people who have eight and nine-year-olds or even younger kindergartner uh, kids, and they laugh and they think it's so cute. Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Is that their boyfriend? Is that your girlfriend? Let me take a picture. You're holding her hand. He just gave her a kiss, and you laugh as a mom, as a dad, whatever. Essentially what you're doing is, is you're teaching your kid, and your kid is, oh, Mom thinks it's good when I kiss girls or when I hold hands or when I have a boyfriend or when I have a girlfriend. And so even at a young age, you can awaken that mentality 
in your kids. You've got to be very careful about that. I, I, would, I would caution you as parents, like, are you creating an environment in your home that is awakening love in your teenagers or in your young adults? I mean, what, what's that look like at home for you um, in, in your family? What are some of the boundaries that you've, have, you've set up with your teenagers? Like, are you allowing your teenagers to date alone? So you're just allowing, you know, he and her to go in the car alone, go to the movie alone, go out to eat alone, in the basement alone, in bedroom alone. If, if you're allowing that to happen, hands down, 100%, you've put them on a path of temptation. And I have very rarely, if ever, met a teenager that can sustain that kind of temptation without falling in some areas of their life. You've got to be careful not to allow that awakening of love to happen in your own household under your own guidance. Hanging out um, alone, managing technology. Man, this is huge. Like we are, we're, we're in this culture right now. And do you realize it's only been seven years since the iPhone has been developed? It feels like it's been with us for so long. Like how do we, how do we you know, find restaurants in the past? And how do we, how do we find information? I don't know. But now we're, we're like tied to this phone, but it's only been seven years. So we're really a, a sociology experiment right now. Because this generation is growing up with this technology, with the power of this phone in their life. And, and listen, we're, gonna, we're not going to know the effects of this until 15 or 20 years from now. And sociologists, when we're 15, 20 years older, are going to say, this is what happened to this generation, mostly because of this technology. And there's going to be probably some good things, but there's going to be a whole long list of negative things as well. And we just don't know the ramifications of them at this point. But I would just caution you and say, if you're going to give this kind of power to your teenagers and to your middle schoolers or even younger, like you are in control. You must be in control and help them manage that technology. I mean, if you're just free license, use it, take it, do whatever. You've got, you know, Safari at your will. You've got YouTube at will. You've got music at will. If you've just kind of whatever app you want, honey, man, you're putting them in a position to awaken love way too soon. It's going to happen naturally, but you're going to inflame that. You realize that when I was in high school, my circle of influence was basically the people that I, I went to high school with and the people that I went to church with. And so outside of that, I didn't really have any other influence. Today, because of you know, smartphones, I mean, your, your circle of influence is, is not just your school. Now it's your city, your state. They're friends with people all over the country. They're friends and learning and talking to and seeing things from people all over the world because of social media. I mean, this obviously, and we can't, we gotta recognize this, right? I mean, you know this, we know this to be true. This is influencing them greatly. And so if we're giving this to them at will, whenever you want it, as long as you want it, we're doing them a disservice. We're awakening love before it's ready. We use something, and this is just for me, this is take it or leave it. We use something called the Circle app. And so that kind of dictates how long they can be on certain apps and how, uh, if they can or cannot have the app. Every app they want has to come through us. And there's all kinds of parental settings. And I'm sure you guys are all set on this. But, but this is one of those things and devices that really help us manage how long and how much and what they're looking at and viewing. We do a weekly check. Right? We do a weekly check on their phones, and this is, not, this is not like overbearing. If you think it's overbearing, okay. But I'm just telling you, as a parent, 
This is a device that is changing our culture. If you don't think it's going to change this, you know, the, 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 the direction of your son or daughter's path, I think, I think you're ignoring the danger uh, that's here. And so I, I want us to really think about this and, and to really understand that as a parent, we could be guilty of inflaming love. And for me, and this is again, just for me, take it or leave it. Like for us, it's dating is not for our kids like something that we've said, when you turn this age, then you can date. I, I don't think that's a wise thing to do. For us, we've said, you know, when you are mature enough spiritually and emotionally, uh, we'll let you know when we think you're ready. And so that might mean 17, 18, it may mean 19. As long as you're in my house, I have authority over you biblically. So I'll get to decide that. Pay your own bills, get your own job. You can decide that. But in my house, I am the authority. And so um, that we haven't guaranteed that anybody's gonna be able to date or anybody is gonna be able to do that. See, boundaries are blessings. Boundaries for our kids are not this, you're an evil dictator, Trent. No, boundaries are a blessing. But as a kid, I mean, they hate it. They hate the circle app. Just ask them. They, they know, you know, when, that, when, when the time limit's gonna go off. You know, you got to know that when you are a parent that's creating boundaries, they're going to say things that, that are mean, downright mean and hurtful. And, and, and you're going to be tempted to when that happens and when well, everybody else has it and I'm the only one and all that stuff happens, you're going to be tempted to cave. But I, I want us to be encouraged today. Like we're fighting for a different cause. We're not just fighting to be accepted by people at school. We're fighting for the, the, the purity of our kids. And, and we're fighting that they would see and experience all that God has for them. And so as, I know I spent a lot of time here, but, but, but I think it's huge as parents because we're, we're guiding this conversation. And if we're willy-nilly, go do whatever you want, whenever you want, and, and you can be alone and all this kind of stuff, you're putting your kids in the heat of the fire. Think about it like this, and I'll, I'll move on. Like in the 70s, how many of you were wearing sunscreen that were alive? Anybody wearing sunscreen at the lake or at the pool? We, it just didn't happen back then. I, I never remember mom putting sunscreen on me, you know, as a kid. Not until skin cancer became an issue. And now you go to the pool or the lake and, and parents have a paintbrush and they're painting their kids with sunscreen, right? Why? Well, because we've learned. At this point with technology, we just haven't learned the full ramifications of it. And listen, as soon as you create a boundary, our kids are really smart and, and, and evil at times, and they'll try to find ways around those boundaries. And so it's constantly a cat and mouse game and learning and growing, and we need each other to help in this battle. Remember this verse, uh, Luke 17, 2. Jesus said this, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Let's apply that as a parent. If you're allowing some of these things, these, this lack of boundaries in your kid's life, and you're just saying, well, they're strong enough to handle it. Psh, come on, man. Let's, let's, let's live in reality. If we're creating an environment for them to stumble. That's on us. That's on us as parents. And so um, I'm not uh, encouraging a dictatorship. I'm just encouraging loving boundaries for your kids. If they're in a season of, of preparation, help them prepare. Uh, secondly, some of you are in the season 
of discovery. Now let's go back to the word of God here in the following uh, verses. We're gonna see this is where Shulamite and Solomon are. Verse eight, he says, the voice of my beloved. Behold, he, he comes leaping over the mountains and bounding over the hills. Can you see it? He's leaping over the mountains and bounding. I don't think he's a ballerina. Uh, verse nine, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Micah used to call me a young stag. I turned 40 this year. Now I'm a middle-aged stag. Um, behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Now let's hop down to verse 14. He says, oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, and the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Verse 15, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He gazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cliff mountains. Well, in the season of discovery, you're, you're figuring out who this person is. You're showing who you are to this person. You're learning about them. They are learning about you. And, and as you are discovering them, a few things that I think we see in this passage is that as we discover our love with someone else, we do so with the appropriate actions. Now, I don't think she is looking at him literally leaping like a ballerina in verse eight and bounding over the hills. But I think what we are seeing is that what his actions are and, and, and what he is doing with his actions are pleasing to her. This is acceptable to her. She likes what she sees. And, and in this uh, dating phase, she's approving of his actions. And so um, actions speak louder than words, right? If someone is telling you they love you, they love you, they love you, and all this kind of stuff, and yet they continue to violate what you want, you know, if they continue to encourage you to cross physical boundaries, then, then their actions are proving to you that they love themselves more than they love you. Perhaps it's time to move on. It's important that you discover that now and not 10 years down the road when they, when they continue to do what they want to do and break your marriage vows. Verse 9, she uh, says, or yeah, she says that he is gazing through the window, looking through the lattice. So they're staring at each other. He's not like, peeping Tom here, like looking at her, like they are looking at one another. She's looking at him. He's looking at her. And, and this is an appropriate action where, you know, we're discovering each other with our eyes and we're looking deeply within one another's eyes. And then in verse 14, with their words, he says, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet. She's in the clefts of the rock. So they're taking a, a you know, a hike together. And, and he's like, come out from behind the cleft there, the rock. Look at me in the face. Let me hear your voice. Let's talk. Tell me who you are. Let me hear your hopes. Let me hear your dreams. Let me hear what makes you tick. And, and so they're speaking to one another. They're talking. I mean, communication is probably the most important thing that we will ever learn. How to communicate with, you know, someone that we're in a relationship with. It's, it's so very vital. And, and all the married men can attest to this. Like what you say one day might be adequate and what you say on the next day is not, and, and, and perhaps you're gonna, you know, see her get out of the shower, or, you know, as a married couple, or she's getting dressed, and you're, as a dude, you're looking, you know, that's my woman, you're like, hey, 
How you doing, right? Kind of giving that vibe. And, you know, you say that on Monday and she thinks you're adorable. You say it on Tuesday and you're a pervert. <laughs> and there's no rhyme or reason to it. You know, we're, it's just a, an anomaly when it comes to women. You know, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I'm just going to say it and hold my breath and I mean, I'll figure out if I'm a cool, adorable, cute guy or am I the pervert today? I don't know. But we're going we're gonna to continue to play that game. But I, I think with our words, guys, it's constantly something that we are pursuing to, to learn how to do and, and to do it effectively. Now, in this season, if you're dating, so you're in that season where, you know, God has prepared you, so you're pursuing someone um, in marriage. And by the way, that's my definition. I, I wanted to say that earlier. But for me, dating is, is not just, let's just see what I like. Dating is when uh, you discover that someone has the potential to be your spouse. So that's really the purpose. So if you're not ready to pursue like a spouse, then you're probably not ready to begin to date. And so um, I, I think that's a different way to, to, to look at it. But if you are in that season where you're, you're ready and feasibly you're, you, you think you can be married, then I would say limit three things in this relationship. The first thing that you should limit is time. Limit your time with this person because you're gonna want to experience every second of the day with this guy. You're gonna to want to be around him all the time. You're gonna to wanna to be around her all the time. You're gonna to wanna to neglect all of your friends. You're gonna to wanna to neglect your small group just to be with this person. And it's so important that you don't neglect your friends. We all had that friend in high school who got a girlfriend and then, or a boyfriend, you know, if you're a lady and then they stop being friends with you. Nobody wants to be that person. Like you need these relationships in your life. You need this small group around you to continue to help you grow and, 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 and let him come into your world. You go into his world. Don't just completely isolate yourself. The second thing that I would say limit is your talk. So as you're talking, if you're confessing your undying love week one, <laughs> you're in trouble, man. That's too soon. Too much pressure on the, on the girl. If you're the girl doing that, it's too much pressure. If you're talking about marriage after, you know, week one, probably not a good idea. Let that develop and let that begin to, to blossom and grow. And then finally, I would say limit your touch. Limit your touch. Because anytime you begin to start petting and holding and you know, rubbing and all these kinds of things, that puts you on a path to sexual sin and, and you wanna avoid that. You wanna make sure that you stay vertical when you're dating, stay vertical. Keep your feet on the floor, right? You don't want your feet to come off the floor. When that starts happening, you're headed down the path of sexual sin and in your dating relationships, you have two options. If you're single today, listen to me. You have two options. In your dating relationship, you can seek to honor God but you can seek to honor sin. I don't think it's a good idea to build a future marriage on a foundation of sin. Some of you are on, in this season. Maybe you've crossed some boundaries. Maybe you haven't taken things in, 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 the, in the way that you, you know that you should. You've not been intentional in that pursuit of marriage and, and you've, you've been kind of wrestling with that. And I would say embrace the gospel, man. Repent, turn from your sin. Some of you need to break up with some losers today. And, and, and I, I think that's probably a reality for some people. Some of you are living together and you're in the discovery phase and you're living together and that's completely unbiblical. Um, I, I would encourage you to move out, move into the next phase. If, if this is the person that you believe God wants you to be in, the next season is the season of commitment. Season of commitment. So if you're in a discovery dating phase, it should be, you know, leading you to the time of commitment where you're gonna commit that we are intentionally dating for the purpose 
of marriage. And so as you're doing that, then you are honoring that commitment and and, and pursuing them. I would say if you're going to take that step, ladies, and you're going to take that step of commitment, hey, we're going to be exclusive and, and we're pursuing marriage together, then I would say to make sure you tell him up front that your desire is to remain sexually pure. Like on the front end, like this is where, what my dream is. This is what, you know, where my heart is. And, and, and this is the boundary that, that, that I've created. We're going to pursue this. This is where I'm at. Now, some of you are married. And so you've already, you know, entered that season of commitment. And so for you, it's like you've got to honor that commitment. And so I want to talk about both in this, in this part. But, but it's so important that we honor the commitments that we've already Made. Some of us just aren't being faithful to the commitments that we said that we were going to love and honor and cherish in, 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 in health and sickness. And, and, and so we want to revisit that. In verse 15, look at it again. He says, catch for us the little foxes, the foxes that ruin the vineyards. And the vineyard is their body. The vineyard is their relationship. And so how quickly he says that these little foxes can come into our relationship and destroy this relationship, destroy, you know, the, the physical part, destroy uh, just everything in our relationship. And, and the, the trouble in marriage, though, is, is it's not just like the big things that destroy it. It's these small things like, you know, these foxes. A fox is a very small animal. It's a very clever animal. It's really good at hiding, right? It oftentimes comes out at night, and so you can't see it. And in in the ancient Near East at this time, they were notorious for destroying the vineyards, the crop of, of, of all the grapes that they were trying to grow. And Solomon's point here is like, look, it's the small things in your relationship that's gonna destroy it. It's the small things. It's the lack of communication. It's the lack of forgiveness, It's the lack of vulnerability and openness. It's all of these smaller things in our relationships that add up over time and then create the big mistakes that we often like to point at, but the smaller mistakes have been there for some time. I really think communication is a huge part. It's a huge breakdown because it's not just that we have to talk to each other, but it's also we have to understand what the other person is saying, you know? So in psychology world, like it's important when someone communicates something to you that you repeat that back to them, showing them that you understand what they said. That's a good practice in marriage because it helps us understand what the other person is saying. Because oftentimes you're saying something, but the other person isn't understanding what you're saying. Men, you know exactly what this looks like in your marriage. I mean, she says the trash is full. And you thought that meant the trash is full. But it doesn't, does it? It means take the trash out, fool, right? <laughs> Something's bothering her and you're looking at her and you're noticing something and you're, you're like, honey, what's wrong? And she says nothing's wrong. When she says nothing's wrong, essentially that means Everything is wrong, right? When we're learning to communicate and she says, honey, you just, we, you just have to learn how to communicate with me. What she means is just do what I say. <laughs> you know, just, just do what I'm telling you to do, right? Guys are guilty as well, right? I mean, a guy comes home, he says, honey, I've got a surprise for you. That usually means that he bought something really stupid, right? <laughs> I got a surprise for you. We're in debt for the next five years. <clears throat> or 
the, the grass is wet, I can't mow, right? What that really means is there's a good game on and I'm not gonna mow outside. But we, we fall into these communication errors all the time. And what we say, oftentimes we don't mean, and so we receive things differently. And this is one of those little foxes. This is one of those little problems that break down a marriage. Start communicating clearly. Repeat back to the other person what they, in fact, are saying so that you're on the same page. And I think it will help you. Don't ignore situations. Uh, apologize often. Realize that even though we are saved sinners, we're still sinners. So if you're married today or you're dating someone today, you're dating a sinner. You're married to a sinner. And so there's going to be issues. There's going to be relational problems. It doesn't mean that you married the wrong person. It just means that this person is sinful just like you. The bottom line, no matter what season you find yourself in today, the bottom line is that whatever season you're in, pursue friendship. Pursue friendship. If you're in the preparation stage in that season, then pursue friendship with people. Don't, don't feel like you've got to have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend. If you're in the season of discovery, we oftentimes want to pursue the physical first, thinking that if I'm physical, that's going to lead to intimacy or that's going to lead to a friendship. But that is exactly the opposite. If you pursue the physical, the sexual, before you've developed a friendship and a, and a commitment to one another, it will in fact destroy the intimacy not only in that relationship, but in future relationships. I know we all want intimacy and sometimes we just don't know what that means, but intimacy just literally means into me you see. So if you want that friendship and that intimacy, then, then it's important that you are open and communicating and you're transparent. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm thinking. You know, what, where are we at? Let's talk about our dreams. Let's talk about who we wanna become. Let's pursue Jesus Together, this is intimacy. And romance is a byproduct of that friendship. If you're friends and you're developing that friendship with your spouse, romance happens. Intimacy takes place. But you've got to pursue friendship. Now, the good news about all of this is that you can improve. You can do better than what you're doing today. You can become better friends. You can pursue friendship. And, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but, but I really do think it starts with, hey, come out from behind the rocks. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Let's look at each other in the eyes and have a conversation about your hopes and dreams and your problems right now. Can we talk about it? Can we pray about it? Can we pursue your dreams together? And, and I think really, if you just take that away today and you, you walk out of here saying, we need to pursue friendship with my spouse. We need to pursue friendship, not, not sexuality or, 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 or not all these other things as a dating relationship that you may have crossed. I think it would take us in the right direction. And every season, pursue friendship. Now, let me just say, some of you, are in the season of discovery, you're dating someone, and as I'm talking and as you're thinking, God is putting on your heart that you are with the wrong person. Like this is not the man that you want. You're forcing it. You're, you're trying to awaken love before it really needs to happen, but you've talked yourself into thinking that you have to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and, and maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're just getting into college, and, and perhaps you're just in that season of preparation. You're just not ready to do that. I would encourage you to pump the breaks, if God is so speaking that into your life. I used to always challenge high school students to, to commit to God one year where you would not date. And through that season as a junior, as a senior, that 
your only focus and goal is, is to pursue Jesus. You're, you know, if you're in sports or, or you know, academics, those are your focus because we all know you throw a relationship into an athletic guy or an athletic girl and that, that, that begins to spiral. It begins to struggle, right? Same thing with academics. There's so much drama that comes with it. Maybe God would just call you to commit one year where you're not going to date at all. Some of you might say, man, we're in a season of discovery, we're dating, and, and the reality is we need to take that step of commitment because we've not been pursuing marriage. I, I've just kind of been, you know, willy-nilly about this. I need to be intentional. I need to, I'm living with my girlfriend. I need to move out. I need to propose to her today. We need to get married and do it the godly way. You know, maybe somebody would, would feel that today. Maybe some of you would, would say, you know what, I'm in, I'm in my, you know, a marriage. I'm, I'm 10 years in, man. And honestly, we're, we're not pursuing friendship and, and uh, we're not really honoring the commitments that we made and we're just struggling and we're just being selfish and running around and maybe God would just challenge you today to, to go home from this conversation and say, you know what, we need to work on our friendship. Let's forget about all this other stuff and, and let, 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 let's just work on our friendship today. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I just wonder, let me... Let me just spend a moment in prayer today. Is, is there anyone in the room that would say, you know what, I'm in a season of preparation, but I'm, I'm rushing it and I'm stepping in and Trent, I'd just like for you to pray for me. I need to, I need to slow down. Anybody at all just say, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at today. Thank you. I see you in the back. See you guys. I need to embrace the season that I'm in. I see you. Hands all over. How many of you would say, Trent, I'm in the season where um, I need to make a commitment and, and I've not been intentional with this girl that I'm dating or this guy that I'm dating and I need to be more intentional. I need to, need to seek to honor her and not just seek to lust after her. How many of you would say, Trent, that's me uh, in the room. Just pray for me this morning. Okay, thank you. Anyone else say, I need to make that step and move in that direction? I'm married, you might say. How many of you would, would say I'm married and in a season where you know, we're, we're just kind of really struggling here and I, I just need to make this commitment to, to pursue her or him as a friend. Anybody say that's me? I see you all over. Let me pray for you guys. Hands all over the room. God, you saw every hand. You know what people are dealing with. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would in fact embrace the season that you have called them to now. Lord, sometimes we get so fixated on other seasons that we don't learn and grow in the season that you have us in today. So God, I'm praying for every single person in the room. I pray that they would pursue um, purity in the relationships. I'm praying, God, that they would pursue you, put you first. And God, I pray for those who have already crossed those boundaries and those, those um, uh, physical boundaries. I pray, God, that that they would in fact turn from sin and they would turn to you today and embrace the forgiveness of Jesus and his hope. Father, I pray for the marriages in the room that are struggling and that need to, need to follow through on the commitments that they've made. Lord, bring healing and hope and encouragement into their life today. Our only hope is in you, Jesus. Help us to pursue you with a reckless abandonment. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.